When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Jag gläder mig skickligt till att dela episode 61 av Ingefär podcast med dere. Jag heter Sara Lossius och ukens gäst på Ingefär är er Katie Bowman. Katie Bowman är er biomekaniker, mamma till två barn på 6 och 4 år och har gett ut hela åtta böcker på fem år. Bloggen hennes, katiesest.com, är er nyligen lagt ned, men innehåller fortsatt svårt mycket info om bevegelse. För Katie är er en skicklig bevegelsesnärd och för mig personligen har Katie varit viktig för hvordan jag prøver och bevega mig i löp av dagen och hvor upptatt jag är er av barn och bevegelse som jag blivit. Katie mener bevegelse är er näring för kroppen på samma måte som mat är er näring. Vi lever i en stillesittende kultur och även om vi tränar jämnligt är er mesteparten av bevegelsen vi gör i löp av en dag sitting. Därmed mangler vi olika bevegelsesnäringsstoffer mener Katie. Katie definerer bevegelse som når kroppen ändrar sig, det vil si at å puste er bevegelse, og amme er for babybevegelse, og at kjeven vår bruker ulike bevegelse og tilpasser sig deretter om vi spiser mye myk mat versus å spise en rå broccolisalat for eksempel. I den drøye halvtimen dette intervju varer vil du lære mer om bevegelse, vad som sker med spekkhoggerns finne i fangenskap og hvorfor det kan dra en parallell til mennesker i en sedatkultur, Hun fortæller om hvordan hun får en mest mulig bevegelse i løpet av dagen selv, og at hun har er blitt sterkere og mer definert av det enn da hun trente aktivt tidligere. Vi snakker også om barn og bevegelse og om minimalistiske sko. Jeg har skrevet om minimalistiske sko til barn på bloggen tidligere, så se saralossus.no slash podcast for att läsa mer om hvorfor vi er fan av det, og hvilke märker som vi liker. En av Katies böcker har nettopp blivit lanserat på norsk på Flux förlag med titeln Naturlig bevegelse. Den kan vara värt att checka ut om du vill lära mer. Du finner Katie Bowman på katiesest.com och mig på saralossus.no och som Sara Lossus i alla sociala medier. Har du ris, ros eller frågor, skicka mig en mail på sara@saralossus.no. Och rejt gärna ungefär i iTunes också och lägg en en kommentar om varför du liker och hör på ungefär. Och del gärna episoden med vänner och kända. Men nu over til Katie. So, Katie, I'm so proud and honored to have you on my podcast, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Cool, cool. I do believe that most Norwegians, uh, Norwegians don't know who you are, so I'd like you to tell us a little bit of who you are and what's your mission. 
Well, uh, I'm a biomechanist, um, which is just someone who studies the physics of living systems. <clears throat> I specialize in human bodies. And my mission, my personal mission is to understand movement and how movement works, but also to help other people understand uh, how much we need movement, uh, a very robust way of talking about movement, how movement and exercise are not the same thing, and how everyone can get more movement and the total amount of movement that they need by by understanding how it works and and um, all the way from the cellular level, like how movement works on their cells, but also how work, movement works in our life. You know, how how do we change from people who are pretty sedentary, but who go out and exercise to people who almost don't even need to exercise because we move so much in our life? That's my overall mission. I see. And we're going to talk about some of that today. Mm. Uh, I think the, the book, Move Your DNA, one of your eight books. Mm. It's being translated into Norwegian this spring. So we're going to talk about that book for a bit. Okay. Uh, and you say that movement is nutrition, as food is nutrition. So what do you mean about that? Well, you, you know, I think um, <clears throat> people know that they can't just eat. They need to eat different types of foods to get all the different types of nutrients that they need. And so uh, movement is the same, meaning that um, we are kind of, I don't, I'm not sure if it's the same in Norway as it is, you know, in North America, but we're very much like, just move more, just exercise, and that's good enough. But they're finding that, you know, even people who exercise regularly have to go to a, a physio sometimes and get exercises for different parts of their body that they had neglected like they they got enough total movement they were very fit they did a sport or they're a runner but because they didn't have a very uh diverse um movements they weren't getting they weren't getting uh enough of certain types of movement that they have to go in and almost take movement supplements, corrective exercise, therapeutic exercise. Or there are some people who get um, lots of corrective exercises and stretches, but maybe they never go hike up really tall hills and their their heart is not able to, to um, work or endure they're not able to do like an endurance activity so nutritious movement is this idea that just like you need to eat a very wide diet to get all of the different nutrients that you need that you need to do the same with movement that the two or three things that you do for exercise <clears throat> are likely to leave you with certain deficits of movements. And so nutritious movement is trying to put together, you know, what my interest is in movement science is putting together what would a healthy movement diet look like for every person? If you were to try to figure out what your movement diet should look like, what would that, what would that entail? What would that be? So that's, that's what that idea is on one level. 
on another level, nutritious movement is saying that when you eat food, what's in food, those chemical compounds that we call vitamin C or vitamin D or vitamin E, when you eat the food, the way that your cells respond to that input of food determines their behavior. And so movement, we don't think of movement as something we put into our body. We're not ingesting it. We're not digesting it. But at the same time, when you move, you're bending and squishing your cells and your cells are each individually responding in the same way that they respond to you putting something in your mouth. And so that in that, if, if we define nutrients as as chemical compound inputs that we have to put into our body to get it to behave a certain way, but that it's not what you're putting into your body as much as the effect of, of putting it into your body. That movement is the same through a process of mechanotransduction, which I talk about in Move Your DNA, which is when you bend or squish your cells when you move, that that cell is changing that mechanical squish or bend or, or twist into a, a chemistry, you know, a, a behavior in that same way. And so that it took us a long time to figure out that we needed nutrients, you know, that there was actual dietary nutrition. And so I'm just trying to say movement kind of works in the same way. So instead of just saying that we should all just move more, period, that we should be looking for the the individual moves that we need in order to uh, make sure we don't have any deficits. So movement is not just uh, taking hundred squats uh, at the same time or in a row and then go for a run. So movement is more what you do throughout the day. Movement is any change mm. of your body's shape. So you know, even you taking a breath is movement almost every single thing that's happening in the body is is a movement of the body we just don't think of those as movements we think of the exercises as the movements and so I'm just trying to go it's anything you do with your body it's chewing your food it's looking with your eyes at your computer screen that all these things that we do you know thousands of times a day those two are movements Mm. but uh, so if I understand you right, so the thing that most of us do, uh, we live sedentary lives, so we don't move as much as we should, and the thing that we do uh, shapes our bodies, right? Yes, you are how you move <laughs> is is like the on move your DNA. That's what you're. You're always in. I don't. Do they say in Norway like you're out of shape? Like oh, I'm so out of shape. Yep. So we have that same saying, but I would say that you're always in a shape. The shape that you're in is just based on the movements that you have or haven't been doing. You even uh, say that breastfeeding is a movement from the baby. And if the baby is is being breastfed, um, the jaws are getting bigger and yeah, like we don't think of breastfeeding as an exercise and it's not, but it but it is a movement and it's a movement that, you know, you would say I would go to the gym and I would lift weights and I would do, you know, bicep curls and shoulder raises and you would know that your shoulder muscles could grow larger or that your bone density can increase. You you know that your body responds to movement 
but we don't because we don't think of these non-exercise movements like breastfeeding or or chewing your food. We don't think of those as movements, so we don't think about what happens when we live in a sedentary culture, which, you know, which we do. We're not we, we hardly move at all. You know, it's a uh, even our food, we don't even have to chew our food really so much anymore. You can put everything in a blender and just drink it with a straw. So what happens to people when they stop chewing their food? What happens to their teeth and the size and the shape of their jaw and the bone density of their jaw? That's the things that I'm interested in. Mm. Uh, so in Move Your DNA, you write about diseases of captivity and use the orca as an example. Mm. Could you tell us about it and why you included an example of the orca in a book about movement for humans? Well, I think that the orca was just, uh, it's something that everyone can maybe relate to. And so if you uh, go on Google and look at an orca in captivity, you'll see the dorsal fin on the back flopped over. So why is that flopped over? Um, That's the question. And so they couldn't figure it out for a long time. But now the leading hypothesis is, you know, you have a whale, like what the the purpose of a dorsal fin is, one, stabilizing, swimming when you're going very fast and long distances, kind of like on an airplane, you know, you've got the fins there that that help everything Mm. swim in a smooth line. But an orca in captivity is swimming in a tank. It goes not very fast because it's space that it can move is very small and they all swim in a circle, a circle in the same direction, counterclockwise usually. So it swims and swims. And then over time, those forces that are created by swimming in a circle. So if you ever walk around in a circle, you know, if you, if everyone just got up and walked around in a circle in the same direction, you would feel that you were pushed into the circle. And so You've got uh, a body of an orca that has a particular tissue and it's swimming in a particular way. And as that tissue is growing, it's it's being it, the forces, the invisible forces that it's creating end up determining its shape. And so I, I use that example because I just don't think that people we talk about, like, what shape are you in? People don't think of themselves, the shape of their body as relating to how they use their body. They think of it as their genetics. You know, it's like, well, I have this shape because I have my mom or my father's genes and I'm shaped like they are. And so even though you know you can go to the gym and change your shape, you don't really think about the effects of all of your non-exercise movement on your particular shape. So I picked the orca because it was so easy Mm. to see. And then uh, that's I try to always do that when I write is pick something that's easy to understand. And I think it's almost it's easier for a human to reading that book to accept that for themselves when they can first learn about it in an animal that seems so different from them. You know, it's like uh, there's not a lot of ego tied up to how an orca behaves. But but once you kind of understand that mechanical principle, then it becomes easier to see it on a larger scale. So I started with something non-human, but in the book, you know, there's also things like, uh, we have uh, baseball pitching, major league, uh, professional baseball pitchers. So they throw very quickly, you know, a ball with the same hand over and over and over again. And if you look at the bone shape of a baseball, a professional baseball pitcher, they have actually twisted their bones of their pitching arm. You can identify the skeleton 
of a baseball player because by throwing the ball over and over again, their body has adapted to it and they've actually put a twist in their bone. That's the same thing as the orca fin. But you started with the orca and then we got to a baseball player and then they can go back and they look at the um, the remains of various humans that lived thousands and thousands of years ago and they can tell if they were right-handed or left-handed or what type of labor they did simply by the shapes of their bones. Would You could see this is an overhand throw. You could tell the difference between who were spear users versus bow and arrow users because when you do the same motion over and over again, your shape starts resembling that motion that you do. So what does the skeletons of a sedentary culture look like? They look Mm -hmm. like ours do. But how do you, when you walk on the street, do you see uh, sitting skeletons kind of? (laughs) Do you see uh, how the sitting affects us physically? I can. I mean, I, this, you don't, I don't see the skeletons per se, obviously, because they're inside the body, but mm-hmm. I can see the shape, the shape. Um, so you can see things like uh, slouching uh, spines that have gone, you know, hanging forward, hips that are way out forward. Um, you can definitely see, you know, if you travel to different countries, you can see, I, I've traveled a lot. And when you go to countries that don't have as much technology or sitting who are still walking for their food, who still um, live in very labor intensive lifestyles, their shape is different than a highly sedentary computers, TVs, you know, like the, the body, the body types just look different when taken uh, as a whole. Wow. It's kind of sad actually. (laughs) Well, it's, it's the state. I mean, it's the place that we are in right now in the globe, you know, that's the state of where everything is. Um, The good news is, you know, anyone can change the way that they move in an instant. And so I guess that's why I would hate to think if I was writing a bunch of sad books, (laughs) it would make me sad. But the books are never like, here's the problem, the end. It's like, here's how it works. And here's how you can start changing your shape. That's always my intention when I write something. Mm. And we go to talk about that. But When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm, I'm uh, curious about sitting from an early age because we learn our kids to sit from before age one. So they sit in strollers, in cars, in chairs. And they sit in kindergarten. So how can we as parents be more aware of our children's movement? 
Oh, well, I know what I've done for, mm-hmm. you know, for mine was just not introduced the strollers. Like we didn't have a stroller for our two children. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a larger ecological picture and it's actually what I write about in movement matters. And I think movement matters will be released in, um, Norway before move your DNA. I think oh. it's actually coming this spring. Okay. So but it's the opposite that I'm saying. It's the opposite. Uh, yeah. Well, I think well, it's the opposite. Everyone but, should read both books anyways. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it would be easier if you read move your DNA first movement matters would make more sense. But for this particular question is, you know, a lot of, um, people, a lot of, let's say families, when you have small children, you'd be like, well, how can I move more? I can't exercise more. I have small children and we have to, you know, do all the, you know, do all these, we're very busy. And so one of the things that we did was, well, I needed to move more, but I have small children. I can't go to the gym more. In fact, I can go to the gym less than ever before because they have these children. So I thought, well, if I carry my children everywhere, then not only am I getting more movement, not only am I training my body, the children aren't sitting, the children are moving more. So, so I had to see the convenience that I used quite a bit was simply a way to not move as much. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that we did in our house was get rid of our couches and chairs. We don't have those things in our home anymore. And that's a big step that I'm sure a lot of people couldn't imagine taking right now, but you could just sit on the floor more and not in your chair or your couch and, you know, go outside and have picnics more often when the weather permits. And just, it's just thinking about, um, using your, uh, environment a little differently. They now, they now know that your environment is really what's facilitating the amount and the ways that you move. That's a big realization. Cause we used to just tell people like, if, If you have a fitness podcast or if you've been writing a fitness blog or a diet blog, that message has always been willpower, right? Like Mm. to be able to make better decisions and just, you know, just, um, just think harder and do better. But now they're saying that your environment is really facilitating your behavior. So it's not, it's not, you know, set on your calendar once, once a day to go out and take a walk. It's create a lifestyle or an environment where a walk is needed. And, um, and in that way, when you start to think about how to change your landscape, how to change your environment to facilitate, I got rid of my couches because it was hard for me, the willpower to not sit so much, you know, to get up and, you know, buy a, a walker tracker and see how many steps I was taking. I just got rid of my couch. And then I found myself you know, getting up and down off the floor and doing squats kind of throughout the day. And when I was sitting on the floor, the shape that I was sitting on the floor looked very much like all those exercise stretches and therapies and yoga positions that I was going to class to have to do in an hour. I was just doing them now Mm. at home in my home. So I, I do recommend now that the solution for movement and also diet is really changing your landscape or your environment so that more movement is required. Mm. How was the transition for you? Was it easy or hard? And how many years? Because I well, guess I, you lived as most people's like sedentary sure, and sure. worked out a lot. Yeah. yeah, I gave up my couch. 
when my um I had a new baby and so that was I mean he's almost six so that was you know five and a half years ago and once I got rid of it it was it was not, you know, the amount of movement, my, the amount of my movement went up significantly because it wasn't like I was, you know, we sit so much of the time. So when you think about how much you sit in your home, Mm. hours and hours, I was adding hours and hours of squats and hip stretches. And so I saw the muscle development of my legs, um, increase robustly like and I have been a regular fit exerciser since I was 18 years old I'm 41 now so that's over 20 years of being a regular exerciser but never was the strength of my body equal to it is how it is now not exercising any longer but only moving through my life than when I was you know training and doing triathlons and and, you know, teaching weightlifting classes at, at the gym because I was only doing that one or two hours a day at the, at the greatest three hours a day when I was, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. But now when I have two small children, you know, I end up moving six or eight hours a day, which is a lot. And it's carrying, you know, I walk to the grocery store and, um, and uh, you know, I have my children with me and carry the groceries home you know, not taking, you know, not using backpacks or things, but instead carrying it in my arms or changing the types of bags that I'm using to use different muscle groups. And so I've just uh, been able to move quite a bit. And the the physical part isn't hard because, again, I was already looking for more ways to exercise. The hardest part is changing your mind Mm. because we're so used to prioritize comfort we're so used to valuing the convenient thing or the less movement thing that I just didn't even realize how how often not moving was prioritized in my own culture like that's the biggest thing is you know you think of it as time you save time but you really end up just saving saving movement yes that was a question because I was wondering how you have time to move as much as you do with two small kids. And you have written so much over the last past years. And still you seem to be outside a lot and walk. And I, uh, if I were in your shoes, they would uh, be standing still (laughs) writing. (laughs) Well, I think that that's a, that's a big, that's, it's important to me because clearly I am productive. So I, I have written, I think, eight books in five years, Mm. four years, and I have two children who are almost six and four and a half, and I still move a ton. Um, And so it's really just doing the things that I was mentioning. It's it's changing more like um, doing my errands on foot. When I have phone calls for work, I do them on foot, Mm. but I will also... I won't just go for a walk while I'm doing my phone calls. I will make sure that I'm walking to the grocery store or to the post office or some other some other place that I have to go to do something else. Because I think every day, everyone listening probably has a big list of things to do, right? You've got four or five errands to do and you've got you know your work obligations and you have your relationship or your family obligations. And it's just a very long list. Mm. 
that has to be completed every day. And so people don't feel productive because oftentimes I feel like work tasks tend to get the highest priority with, you know, family tasks being second. And then those health things tend to go last, right? It's like, oh, well, I'll just grab fast food not cook my own meals, or I'll just skip my workout today because the other things have more immediate consequences, right? If you don't turn in your work, maybe you get written up by your employer or you don't make money that day or you get in trouble. Mm. And um, as far as your other tasks, I think we're, we're more used to not letting other people down more so than ourselves down. So I just found that if I put in, that's what I call stacking. Again, that's for movement matters. It's like a, this idea of, um, do you have per, uh, permaculture movements in Norway? Is that a, where they're discussing this idea of permaculture gardening styles or farming styles? Yeah. Some people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's this idea that nature does things most efficiently compared to any human made system. So a lot of farmers are going or gardeners are going back to natural systems where instead of, you know, instead of raking up everything to make it super clean and tidy, because that's a cultural aesthetic, recognizing that maybe leaves um, and branches of old plants are part of what holds moisture on the ground. And so if you rake everything and then you have to water everything, that's less efficient than letting the debris sit And now you don't have to rake and now you don't have to water. So it's this idea that nature, nature has a different aesthetic than humans, or at least us like, but that it's a very efficient system that's been functioning very well for a very long time where humans are kind of new and aren't really behaving in a very sustainable manner. So it's the same thing where I might be used to um, you know, dropping my kids off and then going to work by myself for a period of time and then running my errands and then, you know, doing it in the car and then, you know, putting them in the car where they're harnessed and still and protesting, you know, everything's very compartmentalized in our life. So I started to, uh, stack, which is the permaculture term for you get multiple things done in the same period of time. So I've just started to, I have to, you know, be with my kids and my kids need to move around and I need to move around and we have to eat. So this idea that, you know, walk to the grocery store every day together and it's a slow walk because they're small, but I ended up getting two hours of outside walking and I got my groceries and my children also got to walk for two hours and we got to be together. And as we were together, we were chatting and, and looking at flowers and picking bouquets and, and picking maybe apples or berries off the different trees and and watching animals. So it's very educational at the same time. And so it's just that idea of there's a different way of doing things that uh, nourish, if you will, more parts of you by switching up how you do things. Mm. It sounds really fantastic, (laughs) I would say. But uh, before we hang up, I'd like us to talk about shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because most people we put on their on our toddler shoes and yeah. after that we live our whole life in shoes so, shoes and chairs shoes yes, and chairs shoes are the things chairs. we kind of give kids early on we say mm-hmm. sit down and be quiet behave and protect your feet by putting on these shoes and mm-hmm. that 
ends up being the things that when people are older, they come to me to try to try to repair. So it's interesting how to not start that so soon. Mm. Well, what's um, what's your problem or what's your take on shoes? What should we think about? Well, shoes are shoes are wonderful in that. I mean, people humans have been wearing foot coverings mm. for a very long time. But what started as a foot covering, so a foot covering was, you know, originally just a piece of animal hide or bark <clears throat> around a foot to allow that human to go a little bit faster, you know, a little bit without pokes or injury or dealing with the heat or the cold. Mm. But since then, thousands of years ago, shoes have become things that are uh, stiff and not flexible. And now they all have heels on them that are very high. And they start to, I use the term cast, because if you've ever broken your arm and had to have it set in a cast, and then you wore that cast for, you know, six weeks or 10 weeks and then cut it off. When you cut that cast off, your arm is not the same as when it went into the cast. You know, maybe the bones are set or fixed now, but the muscles are atrophied and very stiff. And it's not easy to get that arm to um, match the strength and the mobility of the other arm that was never casted. And so our feet, we don't realize that when you have bound your feet very tightly um, and elevated it to a certain degree, that your foot, and I think it's important, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but uh, a quarter, 25% of the number of muscles and bones in your entire body are from your ankle down. Wow. So there's a lot of uh, movement potential. The feet are, uh, they are an engineering feet, and they they work with your whole entire body with every step that you take. But our feet that have been in shoes indefinitely are um, very atrophied, very stiff. Um, they're not, they don't move, they move, there's 33 joints in each foot. And most people don't have any dexterity. Like if you put your hands out, like you're putting them on a piano and, you know, play a little tune, you'll see that all your fingers move individually. Your toes should be able to do that. Everyone should be able to spread their toes and lift each toe one at a time by itself. Mm. Um, and that would be an indication of the strength and the mobility of all of those mu individual muscles within the toes and within the foot. And so it's just this idea that even though people know they need to exercise their whole body, they usually just put something, they wrap their foot up and then take their whole body out for exercise. And so we've got this... <laughs> We're doing all this big activity on top of a foot that is barely mobile, that's been immobilized or casted its entire life. And so um, foot pain is a big deal. I'm not sure what the stats are, um, again, in Norway, but, you know, for uh, North America, something like one in four, um, I know for sure women, I'm not sure it's men and women, will have debilitating foot pain where they can't move their entire body, meaning they can't go for a walk, they can't exercise because their their foot is not able to bear their weight without pain. So those are big red flags mm -hmm. of, you know, like if your foot hurts, almost every single motion goes through your feet. And so we're not really taking very good care of our feet because we don't we don't know anything about them. And so that's, I've written a couple books on feet and 
that it's just a very big neglected part. You could be the most active person in the world and your feet are still sedentary. Mm. And so I think that that's a, a big idea to kind of hone into. So what kind of shoes do you prefer to wear yourself? Well, I think there's characteristics of a shoe, and that is that um, it's uh, zero rise, no heel, so it's flat. Uh, and also, fle- I would uh, add that the most sneakers, for example, they have mm-hmm. different... A heel? Yeah. So it's not yeah, only so when I- high heel for women. Exactly. So I think that when we say heel, everyone thinks like stiletto and go, oh, I don't wear heels. But I'm talking about the rise of the back of a shoe over the front. So even men's dress shoes, professional shoes, um, comfort shoes and uh, trainers or athletic wear still have an inch to sometimes an inch and a half heel. Um, It's not the thin pokey heel of a high heel, but I'm talking about the heel of the shoe being higher than the toe. So you want to have zero rise, um, a flexible sole where you can like twist the shoe and fold the shoe and it just uh, bends very easily. Um, Wide toe box so that your toes can spread away from each other. So if a lot of people, if they trace their barefoot and then they put their favorite shoe over their barefoot, Um, on the on the tracing, you will often find that the toe box or the front of the shoe is more narrow than your foot is wide, that all day long we're kind of pressing the sides of the uh, toes together. Mm. Um, so those are those key characteristics. And so if you think of, um, you know, uh, a traditional uh, meaning like the, those original foot coverings, they're more like moccasins, you know, very soft and flexible and your foot could stretch out. So there's many different uh, companies making these minimal type shoes that still give you the protection Mm -hmm. that we like, but without immobilizing so much of the foot. Mm -hmm. I wear Converse (coughs) all the time and I know I shouldn't, but um, I go without shoes a lot as well. So I guess it adds up. (laughs) Sure. And and also walking on shot. Yes. I mean, being barefoot, we all need some barefoot time for sure in a safe place. Mm. I think we have covered uh, about 2% of your work total. (laughs) (laughs) I need to to have you on Ginger or Ingefair, as it's called in Norwegian, uh, some more times, Katie, because this was really fun. Yes, I'll be back for sure. Thank you. Du har hört episode 61 av Ingefär podcast med mig Sara Lossius. Gäst var Katie Bowman och jag hoppar du har likt episoden och lärt lite också. Inte vi ses nästa gång får du pröva att göra som jag ska den uken, gå barbeint där jag har möjlighet till det. Kanske lär vi och lyfter på var enkelt tå ett vart. God uka, ha det. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.